2: Now, let's try and ring her. It's funny she hasn't answered, isn't it? I'd say
1: she's in complete shock. Hi, Nicola. Hello. Hi, Juliana. Hi. How are you doing?
2: Um, To be honest with you, I'm doing a little better now, Nicola. I'm in office shop, I'll be honest with
1: you. Did you? Um, I did. I, I thought she would be mental
2: I wasn't hoping for it, Nicola, but I thought it would be. Yeah. Yeah. Is Clodagh there with us? here, I'm yeah. Here. Hi, Claude. Thank
1: you for everything. No problem. How are you feeling? Are you okay? I got sick of the dog. Vomited my heart up. I'll be honest with you. I, I got more of a shock than I imagined I
2: would, you know? Yeah. There's mixed emotions there for you. He is your brother.
1: Yeah. You said that he was very upset? Yeah. Tears in his eyes, crying kind of um, after the verdict was read. Yeah. was very upset waiting for them to come back for sentencing. But then I look over a couple of minutes later and he's actually laughing and shaking hands with the kind of a bravado handshake with the
2: defence team. Yeah. So kind of moved on from it very quickly. He'll be focused on his appeal, you can be guaranteed.
1: I was going to ask you that. Did they mention that there's going to be an appeal? It was hint to that. The defence asked if if he could have his application for, I assume, for legal aid to be extended in the matter in the case that things went further. So I assume that means he's planning to appeal. And, do you know, he didn't stand up and give evidence himself,
2: no? No, he didn't. He didn't say anything.
1: That surprised
2: me. Do you feel sorry for him, Juliana? Uh, no.
1: My biggest fear was that he, he'd somehow get away with it. Yeah. That was my biggest fear. Uh, no, like, my feeling is like, you, you do the crime and then you have to do the time. That's, that's my feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know what a vicious person he is. I've lived with it, you see, all my life. I know what a manipulator he is. Mm. So he's an evil bastard. Like, he really is as evil as you can get. You see, she's the vulnerability of this lady Nora Shane that he played on and then you have the vulnerability of my mother who was in a wheelchair Mm. and the other women that he was convicted of assaulting Mm -hmm. the vulnerability of all those women he couldn't beat his way out of the paper bag he's a coward Mm. yeah he's an absolute coward but um no, I don't, have to, I don't feel sorry for him at all.
2: There's nothing to celebrate here. There's no winners, really.
1: There certainly is not. There certainly is not. I I saw it on television where the, the inspector stood on the steps and spoke, you know, the garden and spoke about the family, mm. the Norish family. I'm glad for them that it is over, that they got justice. I feel very happy about that. Mm. I feel really content knowing that they're going away from the court today and they know he's being knocked up. I cried for them today. Mm-hmm. I did. I cried. enough for him. I cried for them because now, now they can lay their mother to rest and they can say, man, we have justice here today, girl. Mm. and yeah. they did they did they got justice for the poor woman today you know mm. it and did. there's justice
2: too for the other people that he attacked I mean it's horrific when you think about it, you know
1: what he has done to so many people oh god listen I don't want to get up,
2: there because my head's well look go on and
1: we'll talk tomorrow alright you okay Mind All right. yourself alright I will I will. Mean, it's just as you said. It's the prize. It's the shot. It is.
3: Deals.
2: That's all it is. Yeah. Bye, mm. Bye-bye. See ya. You're listening to Beast: The Murder of Nora Sheehan, a Crime World podcast. This is episode six. Do you sort of feel a week on about his jailing for life? You were very sort of, sort of in slight disbelief. I would have thought.
3: Uh, I don't know <laughs> disbelief. I was shocked. I don't know why I was shocked, but I was shocked. Um, I was terrified that something would happen and that a loophole would be found. And all the investigation and these, she and family being there all those weeks, that it would all come to nothing. So it was the the absolute relief, if you like, that this, this now was for real. Now, life behind bars to me that to me is inconceivable if if you said to me I'm putting you behind bars for life I'd probably die on the spot to me that would be inconceivable
2: me too
3: but to know that you have a brother that's now in prison and will die in that prison I find that pretty awesome now I really do I I really do. I'm happy that my mother and father are not around to witness it. I'm happy for that. You don't feel any happiness that he's where he is? I'm not sad about where he is. (laughs) I'm not sad about where he is. I'm delighted he's off the streets. I am. I'm delighted. I'm very sad that he didn't have the balls to apologise to the Sheehan family or even to the court for what it's cost the Irish taxpayer to have all that drama. There was three weeks of the pre-court and then there was another three weeks of this. So there was six odd weeks, like, you know, of, I remember when he was first arrested He was covered up with a hat and a mask all over his face and all you see were his eyes. The first day at court... Do
2: you mean this time round?
3: Yeah. Yeah. The first day at court, he wore that. All of a sudden, the hat came off, the mask came off and he didn't give two hoots about nobody who photographed him. Just a case of the notoriety was starting now and he stood and he, he didn't care. He didn't care. He was so sure that they didn't have enough evidence to convict him that he was either going to get manslaughter or walk out. He did not bank on it coming back as being murder. He didn't bank on that at all. He he went through day after day after day after day, brazening out, walking up the steps, At the beginning, he wore the mask and the beanie hat. But that went off, eventually. And he stood by the railings of that court and he knew he was being photographed. His attitude like, take your picture if you want, you know. He waltzed up and down the steps. I saw him running down the steps at one... I was looking at him and I was thinking to myself does he really know what he's involved in like you know he's a, he's a suspect here of a vicious murder you know but um, no that's why I'm saying up to the time of the jury coming back he was convinced that they didn't have enough on him and he was going to walk free that's what he had told his partner and that's what he had told himself I'm After getting away with this for 42 years, then i will get away with it again. He got away with things all his life, you see. He was either bought out of things or got away with it or that bravado was always there. He was cocksure he was going to walk.
2: But I get the sense where you don't feel any sort of satisfaction. You're sort of happy he's off the streets and he can't hurt anybody else, but you don't feel sort of happy that he is still your brother and he is facing the rest of his life behind bars. And I suppose like anybody, no matter what, when somebody is your flesh and blood, that doesn't bring you joy.
3: Mm. If you grew up with no long as your oldest brother, you probably would feel the way I feel now. Believe me, it was no joy. It was no joy. And there's the old, old saying, you know, if you do the crime, you must do the time. The one thing the family of the Sheehan said was, he has lived these 40 years, his life. And that woman didn't get to do that, you know. And He's lived a good life. He has lived a good life. You know he's he's got a car, he's got a Harley Davidson, he's had his holidays. You know he was he was living a good life, and he got opportunities whereby he attacked vulnerable women. We've lived with this our entire life, and. uh to have it now culminate in him a life sentence that's serious business that means he'll he'll come out of there in a coffin at one point or another part of what we're talking about now will be discussed in a podcast and if it triggers somebody's mind to come forward that's what I want more than anything else I want something good to come out of something so horrific, if it's possible at all. And I said it way back that there was two families very, very badly affected in this situation. It wasn't just one, it was two. Like my mom and dad died both knowing that their son was a suspected murderer. And that's not a good way to go. And he gave my mother 16 years of hell. He really did. He really and truly did. Gave her hell. And she didn't deserve that either. Because she defended him with her life. And that's very hard for me to say that. But I would have, I would have thought, yeah, she was terrified of him. She was terrified of. And he is a dangerous person, and I'm delighted he's off the streets. I'm delighted. I really am. And the, the, the reign of, of terror is, is over. It's, it's taken a long time to bring him down, and fair dues to the jury, you know, and fair dues to whatever about the jury. Fair dues to the, the, the forensic people that got the evidence that, that they did together. Now, it wasn't a huge amount of evidence when you think about it, but it was enough for the jury to know they had to come back with a guilty verdict, and they did. Now that it's over, yeah. what's happening now with the family and with me as well, it's like an anti-climax and you begin to feel, you know, yeah, because they they came out, they hugged on the steps. What did they do then? You know, they got justice for for their mother. They did, but they're reeling in shock for what the weeks leading up, what they were told was horrific. That's why I said to you, Claude, several times, you went in there and you sat there, I couldn't. I would have been physically sick. In that room, listening to that, looking at him, knowing he's to blame for for all this pain and suffering that he's still causing to all these people here. I said, that's, that's horrific. I I genuinely thought somewhere along the line there'd be some little molecule, if you like, of decency that would twig in his brain and he'd say, look, I did it, get it over with. But no. he, He kept it going to the very last second. And I find that absolutely unforgivable because you must think how this family is feeling, how they're suffering as a result of him. He's still hurting them. He's done the ultimate. He's killed their mother. But now he's crucifying them as well. That's terrible. I find that Unforgivable. Like Nicola was asking me a while ago, did I have any, you know, feelings towards him being where he is? I haven't an ounce of, of sorrow for him or pity. I wish I could turn around and say that I hate his guts, but I don't I don't believe in in hatred. I'm I'm not that kind of person that I want anything to do with hatred in my life. I n I don't want that in my in my thought process at all. You know, I shudder to think he's going to die one of these days. He's got to meet his maker. He's got to meet God. Do you know he's going to hell? I said it to you. I hope he lives the longest life possible. Let it be 110 years old and that he will remember to the day he dies all that had happened leading up to the court case and the conviction for murder and his freedom being taken away from him because that is going to crucify him more than anything else. I did say that he wouldn't be able to hurt anybody else again, but leaving that to one side, the fact that his liberty is gone is the worst possible thing you can do to no law. The worst. You couldn't do any worse than that. But at the end of the day, you know, the most important the most important thing is to try and the way I see it anyway, to try and bring some relief if it's at all possible to that uh, to all the family certainly you know
1: yeah
3: and, and kind of bring some finality to it so that we can kind of all move on
2: in 2012 I had written about the murder of Nora Sheehan and had tracked down no long to his home in Cork as I mentioned earlier I asked him did he kill her and was he aware that he remained the only suspect in her murder He wasn't in much mood to talk, but we ran the story anyway, along with a picture of him. A few days later, I'd received an email. Dear Miss Talent, I'm emailing you to thank you and your paper for your extensive coverage of my grandmother's murder in the Sunday world today, although it is very upsetting to read. I hope your work will aid the Gardaí in bringing to justice the man who we all know savaged and murdered my nana. Thanking you sincerely, Mark E. Sheehan. As the trial of no long got underway, I remembered Mark and his email and I went back to search for his address. Hi, Mark. My name is Nicola Tallant and I'm a journalist with the Sunday World. You wrote to me some years ago when I did an article on your grandmother, Nora Sheehan. I'm hoping to talk to yourself or somebody from your family who may be a spokesperson. I'm currently making a podcast on the case and Juliana Moore Watkins, who is a sister of no long, would like to meet with your family to let them know that her sympathies are with you all and that she does not support her brother. I have known her for a number of years and she is a very kind and generous person and has always had your family at the centre of her thoughts. All the best, Mark. I hope to hear from you.
3: (gasps) Oh! Jesus, Mary and Joseph, what am I going to do? Now, Hello. this is Mark. Hi. This is Juliana. Nice. Hi. Okay. <laughs> Thank you for coming. That's awesome. It's good to see you. It's good to see you, okay. Thank you. Thank
2: you, you. Sit down. There, sit Mark. down. Sit down beside and I'll make you a cup of tea. Yeah. So, you must have been really shocked when you were told, were you, then, when you were 15? That's, that's kind of yeah, you had no idea other than your grandfather died of a broken heart.
0: That was it. That that's all. My, that's all my grandfather would ever tell me about my other, my other grandparents. Because I'd always ask about my other grandparents. Because most of the other kids had two granddads and two names. Yeah. But that's all he'd ever say. Like, well, your grandfather died of a broken heart, and he fought me off. And like, like I said, the one that we were at. We were at training on Colleen, the gym Colleen. And my friends were over to he said, That's when your man lungs when there. And I didn't know who he was talking to. Mm. So I came home and asked my grandfather then, and he said, You better go and talk to your uncle.
3: And did he fill you in then on what was?
0: Well he told me what happened, but he didn't give me the the details. Yeah. Yeah,
3: yeah but I mean you were only
0: fifteen. Mm. I was a while fifteen, you know. Mm.
2: I can only imagine. The anger that I would feel if I heard that
0: kind of hit home twice as hell for me. You see, because my mother was in an abusive relationship when I was young, right. and I was witnessed a lot of domestic violence. So that was like It seems to be the calm thing. Like my you mum know, going to die this way, and I was ill. You know.
2: When you found out when you were fifteen, did you you heard that? Did you go? your uncle told you a certain amount or whatever, did you go and try and... Did you oh, try yeah. and see what No Long looked like? Did you try and find out where he lived? Did you...?
0: No, 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 I didn't. I only done that. I only done that when I... I only tried to track him down when I turned around 20. Right. Because up until then I was... I was just an average young and I was... doing my thing. I can't exactly go into what happened, but something happened anyway and triggered an awful lot of bitterness in me and I was genuinely, genuinely going to harm his sons because being young I thought if I hurt him, it'll draw him out because we we genuinely didn't have a clue where he was or who, who he was. I'm glad I didn't or anything like
2: that. How did you feel when you saw him in a photograph, albeit that's your first time you lay eyes on him?
0: Just more bitterness than anything, you know? Just really, really, really angry man that, that he was down deal. That he didn't even have the decency to fuck off about England or something. That they were more, more, more or less bitter and no angry than, than hateful or anything like that, you know? Because, like I said, I never knew my grandmother, but it was because of him. I was the only lad in our terrace that didn't have boarches to come out. And I know it sounds silly, but you know, come Christmas and birthdays and Mm-mm. communions and confirmations, Mm-mm. you do feel it. I know that's silly no, like, but that's when you, that's when we did feel it when we were kids, you know. My grandfather reared me. Not my mother, not my father. My, my grandfather reared me. He, he left the Royal Air Force under exemplary discharge. So I was reared by a man that was reared in this city in the 30s. So I would say, yes, sir, sir. yes, ma'am, thank you, ma'am. I was reared, I wasn't dragged up, but I still ended up getting into it. And I would have been physically capable of doing anything I wanted. But that would have hurt my grandfather. It would have really hurt him. Because she was my mother to take up for. I didn't suffer the loss. So, as much as I wanted to have him, or, like, I didn't even fantasize about it, to be honest. I, yeah. I would have liked to slap him around and make him feel helpless, but it, it wasn't for me to take up. We all suffer tragedy in our life, like that's not an excuse to inflict on other people, you know. Mm-hmm. And I'm fair from an angel, like, far from it. But I, I wouldn't go into somebody's home and take that, that they on, and I wouldn't harm nobody for any reason, other than that they were trying to harm me or somebody. you that's, that's You'd my have your
3: limitations. Mind. I do yeah. know that, and, yeah. and
0: they're very strict, yeah.
3: But he has none.
0: Yeah, I understand.
3: That's yeah. why I, I think it's very important that you and I meet today, because I wanted to look you straight in the face, and I wanted to say to you, I am so sorry about your grandmother and what happened to her because she did not deserve that. The family didn't deserve it, but neither did my family. We suffered greatly as a result as well. But I'm hoping that you can see there is decency in our family. But I'm delighted, Mark, that you had the balls, excuse me for saying it, but to come here today and to, to sit down here and talk to us because if it brings you any, any little bit of
0: comfort at all, that to me would be the purpose. I was doing it for more of your benefit because I didn't want you thinking that <laughs> anything he did that our family at your feet, well you know, thank you very very really very much that for
3: that thank you so much for saying that I really appreciate that because it does it does help me a great deal but I want you to feel the same that there, there's there's no animosity between you and me or your family or my family you know as I said both families suffered greatly oh, I by the one person's actions and what he's done and aren't we just fortunate that it's come to a fruition where he has been made accountable at long last. He's where he's supposed to be, Mark.
0: For one of them anyway, you know.
3: Yeah.
2: How did you feel about the conviction?
0: I was really happy for Gerry. And... Jerry
2: is Mark's
0: uncle, Nora's son. Jerry, more than anyone, I was really, really happy for him. And he's he's been alone for so long with her. God love him, he has. Yes. And he's such an affable man, you know. Yeah, that's more than more than anything, I was happy for him, you know. Mm-hmm. I didn't suffer the loss. I know I missed out on having a grandparent, but I I I didn't I haven't lived a life knowing that something like that happened to my mother. And that must be a very hard thing, especially when you're living alone as long as he had. Yeah. So that justice was solved and he was the wrong to see it, that that I'm happy for.
2: The closure offered by the conviction of Noel Long will be of some comfort to the Sheehan family and to Long's own family too. But there are many other people out there who've been hurt by Long over the years and many of them never saw justice served for the pain he caused them. Meeting Juliana and hearing her story, I was struck by how much chaos one man can bring to an ordinary family, just trying to live their lives in a quiet, hard-working way. I wanted to try to understand the impact of that on real people, beyond the headlines and the court cases. I think I learned something, but in the end, Mark said it better than I ever could.
0: My grandmother's mother was one domino of that film, but it it's set off a whole chain. It fractured her own family. Her own husband just man that just withered away.
3: Your God love him.
0: My own father like he, he just hit hit the road. So then my mother ended up with two young kids under the age of, under the age of two. So my grandfather had to rear me and my brother. And then his wife gave him a choice whether to wear his grandkids or be with his wife. And he reared his grandkids. So like, yeah, I felt it. And I, I felt responsible then for their was splitting up when I was a young lad, because I didn't know any better, you know, that kind of thing. But yeah, that one act, man, Caused an awful lot of them, For an awful lot of you.
2: You've been listening to Beast, The Murder of Nora Sheehan, a Crime World podcast presented by me, Nicola Talent, and produced by Ian Mullaney and Claude This podcast is part of the Acast Creator Network.